0: Hello, this is episode 374 of the Purple Psychology Podcast, I'm Nisha Reddy. So this is the start to season 11, it's kind of like, how did that happen? Eight years of podcasts, 300 and odd episodes, who thought I had so much to talk about? I know that the podcasts are often sporadic during the summer because it's a time I take to integrate and grind a lot of new work to finish up on writing ideas. And I I have recorded some podcasts for my Patreons and some writing particularly on the passing of Sinead O'Connor. So if you want to know what's happening in the gaps, come over to my Patreon. I'll put a link in the description. I have to be honest, the title of this podcast is probably going to be Barbie as Homophobic as Ever. And I've been looking for a topic to launch the idea that postmodernism is the root of all of our problems. I've had this sense of wanting something to blame, wanting something to explain why I feel it's all gone to shit. You know, why everything sort of feels substantless And I've had many conversations with some of the amazing people who work with me and who've been teaching with me for years now. They've, some of them have been teaching for at least a decade. And they have changed so many people's lives. They have touched so many people's lives I can't even begin to, to count them. And they've gone on to do that now in bigger and bigger environments in their own way, in their own independence, while still sort of dropping in and supporting me. I always sort of describe the, the people who started teaching for, with me at the, the homework club as bright young things that I couldn't expect to hold on to, Um, that they would drop in and out and come back and forth. And I think that's really important. That And if I have a problem with education, it's the fact that we don't allow people to grow. There's no growth within the system. Or not unless you look really hard for it. So there's, you know, everyone I sort of tentatively introduced this topic to is kind of like, what's well, postmodernism. And probably the best way I can explain this is that, you know, two and two doesn't always equal four. They would argue about anything. There's a sense, ironically, of looking for objectivity in topics. But for me, that's stripping out experience. It's adding this distance, which I'm going to talk about as we get into it. And that distance for me is a whiteness. It's a white way of moving that I've never liked and not been able to, to put language to for a long time. And it's funny because you have this emphasis on diversity, but how can you when they're not your experiences and you're not listening to anyone else? And I'm going to show that what Barbie is. I start talking about Barbie. Mm -hmm. I think I've been letting it land in me. It's a week since I've seen Barbie. And I think I needed some of the the festering angst to leave my body before I started to talk about it. But one of the best examples I can give you of postmodernism at the moment is cycle lanes. It's like as if everyone needs their own lane. And obviously, as the planet implodes, that level of self-absorption is going to save us. And there's no infrastructure for electric cars. There's this big push on having electric cars with absolutely no infrastructure. And that really is postmodernism in a nutshell. It's like as if we need to wait for all of the postmodernist people to get old in order for them to start to consider that people beyond their own age are actually entitled to be in cities anymore or to have a, a place or a place in society. So It's a very lack of context way of looking at any topic. There's a lack of inclusion for anybody else's frame of reference. It's so stripped out to what you think matters that you can't see beyond that anymore. So we now have a situation in a part of Dublin where People who are older can't get the bus anymore because their bus stops have all been taken out, so they can not actually walk an extra three stops to get on the bus. If they're fortunate enough to manage to live close enough to the bus stop when they do get on, they can't get off it anymore because they get mowed down because the bus stops into the cycle lane. So they're now considering needing to put traffic lights on the cycle lane so that people who Slightly less stable on their feet can actually get on and off the bus safely. So, that for me is postmodernism. That's a wonderful postmodern example where you've only considered the cycle lanes and the people who can cycle and that age bracket. Another really good example, and I kind of talk a lot about this, that I feel that it, it all started to slip when we got mother and child parking spaces. And this is like this is a really sensitive topic like if you google this anyone who's challenged this gets absolutely lambasted. But one of the really interesting points about this is that the first origins of those parking spaces were for women's safety because one of the predominant places in which women are attacked is in car parks. And that that's what I mean. It's it's this lack of substance and meaning and historical development of a topic and all of the considerations to take place. And when you strip that out and you only care about a very small self-absorbed group that you feel that you're representing and that you're speaking for, you're no longer speaking for anybody. And so that's what we're gonna go into in this season. So let's talk about Barbie. So, Barbie opens with a really pretentious sequence of a film i have been to a long time ago and didn't really like very much. But there's this idea that all little girls played with dolls. That wasn't my life. And for years I've collected Barbie stories, particularly from gay women, and one of the, 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 well, I'm going to talk about some of the really funny stories in a minute, but one of the, the features that is always there is that gay women always cut the doll's hair, or any doll's. Like, I was only given dolls by my grandmother who didn't, who didn't know me, and I would drag them home at Christmas going, another doll, like, what, what am I supposed to do with this? And so none of us could ever imagine the life that the doll represented, on any level. And it certainly wasn't an image that represented us. We wanted something that wasn't straight, basically. And so we all cut the hair. And so in the film, we are Weird Barbie. We have all created Weird Barbie. And in the film, Weird Barbie lives in isolation from the rest of the women in the community. And there's such a lack of intimacy and real connection between those women. Like it's, it's so superficial in Barbie Land. They all wake up and they stare into each other's lives every day and they superficially say hello to each other. They know absolutely nothing about each other. There's no feelings, no emotions. There's no expectation to actually answer the question of how are you on a real level. It's totally substanceless. And because of the complete lack of intimacy, it really represents a lot of the connections that I've had over the years with straight women, where they all have to tell you about their boyfriend, their husband, or their really needy dog in order you know to to put you on the right path, like you know that they're not interested, even though you've absolutely no interest in that. And you're just like, Simply open and friendly and connecting to other people. So once you go beyond the bounds of superficial with a lot of Barbie-esque women, that's that's what happens to you. And eventually they kind of work it out and work out. Oh, wow, like you can have an intimate connection with someone and it's not sexual. But it's really interesting in Barbie that it's weird Barbie and weird Barbie is isolated and she lives on her own and you only go there to seek advice from her, which could pretty much sum up my existence with most straight women for my certainly my 20s. And I suppose gradually then, I got to know women who were more secure in their sexuality and more together, and I formed proper, close relationships with women, regardless of their sexuality. As I described it to their friend walking out last Thursday, that, that weird Barbie is Exactly what you grow up as gay with Barbie. You're kind of like, I don't understand why my cousins are playing with this and I don't want their lives and it's just weird. But I must be weird because I don't want it and I don't fit into it. And I butcher their hair. So it might sort of represent something I'd want to be. But my two favourite Barbie stories are someone who works in, in medical sciences, who was also gay. And besides cutting the hair, they actually um, dissected their Barbie and made intestines for the Barbie out of tissue paper, and then proceeded to bury the, the Barbie, having sort of treated it like a Godiva, which I'm <laughs> pretty, um, well, there was a depth in that. And then recently, I also discovered with another friend, that they actually gave their Barbie to their brothers to have some sort of sacrificial ritual of the Barbie. She doesn't remember the story all, but her mother does. Her mother went out and found Barbie tied to a post in the garden with her feet singed where her brothers had tried to sacrifice Barbie. So I'm not quite sure what was going on in that house, but I'm very entertained by it. And there's a time when I probably would have liked to sacrifice Barbie. I, I, I I just didn't get Barbie. At all. Like, I just remember my, my, my cousin's fascination with it, with the house and the horse and Ken and all the rest of it. For me, it's a very dangerous film. It opens up a lot of ideas and deals with none of them. And I've been really interested to see how everybody initially thinks that the film is empowering. And some people sort of go on to believe that on a superficial level, a little bit like believing the superficial existence of Barbie land. But then gradually as people kind of step away from it, they sort of start to realize that that maybe maybe there are things here that are wrong or that I don't want or that weren't really dealt with in any way. And... Even as we kind of get to that sort of exi- you know, existential Barbie who has complete meltdown when she starts to feel things and she's, you know, she's told it's anxiety. None of that is actually dealt with. N- none of it is addressed. None of it is spoken about. There's a sense that we're still looking to the world outside us to either fix us, supply us with something, or stop us from feeling. There's no process that encourages us at any point during the film to do some work for ourselves and feel better. And I've been really interested that some of the people who have connected with me and spoken about it that I feel have done more of a journey themselves, that they're able to to recognize, I suppose, differences and transitions in their own life, and a time where they might have wanted to be more like Ken, but realized that their existence didn't depend on what women thought of them. So it is, like, it's it's an interesting film in the sense that everybody drops into it in a different place. But that's only if you've done your own work. And that, for me, is a very dangerous film. It doesn't help my isolated teens. It doesn't help the boys who aren't sporty, who aren't who aren't muscular built or who aren't frankly weird like Callan. Like there's a, there's a weird male character in it as well as a female character. And both are excluded from their own groupings. It doesn't help the girls who are frankly not Barbie. It doesn't offer them any solace. And for me, like, the part that most irritated me was that when Barbie goes to the real world and she meets a girl who's a kind of a a grunge kid who is not isolated. She's in her own gang. She's in her own autonomy, She has her... Her own style, her own identity, own clear sense of like what is wrong with the world and what she doesn't want to be. And she gives it to Barbie and she actually tells Barbie that she's a fascist and that she's created all of these things, all of these ideals that she doesn't want to live up to and everything that she's done wrong. And I'm like, yay, great, like we finally have a moment. It's kind of like she goes off to Barbie land and she becomes girdier. She becomes a sort of an in-between sort of version heading towards Barbie. And at that point then, you know, it's suggested that she connects with her mother better and that she's happier and that she's suddenly smiling and that her life has got rosier because she's kind of gone towards being Barbie. And I'm kind of like, that's really wrong. That's really, really bad messaging to my teens who feel like outliers and who are managing to carve their own lane and managing to be themselves and managing to not be the expectations of Barbie. That was the bit that made me really angry in the film. And ironically, I was tempted to do this podcast with somebody else who came on and ranted about the other line, which was that her mother stands still so our daughters can look back and see how far we've come. And for them, it was a complete lack of respect to what mothers do, to their age, to what older women can be, to there, there's so much to it. For me, it's very simple. It's just like Jung says, you know the most toxic thing is an unfulfilled parent. The idea of a mother standing still and demanding that her daughter has Barbie's life. Like, that is everything that is wrong with Barbie. As that person said, that was given space. You know, the sassy daughter, her mother who becomes sassy and gives us this big, long speech on how, like, women can't possibly be all of these things and your expectations of them and the expectations outside of themselves that are creating a lot of the anxiety and the emotions. That's not given any space. And then there's a moment where, like, Ken thinks, oh, I have to find myself. And then he just goes, I'm Ken. And you kind of sit there and you go, really? Seriously? Um, And then there's a horrible point at the end of it where having sort of journeyed through it where women are of all the power in Barbie land and then they come to the real world and they've discovered that they don't really have any and they can't effortlessly be these things and ken is delighted because he's kind of like i'm respected here and then he goes back and he's kind of like i'm nothing i'm nothing you know if if barbie doesn't look at me and tell me i'm fabulous and you know and then he tries to take over the world and it's all really macho and disgusting the way he envisages doing that and we're completely separate you know both men and women are still looking for everything outside of themselves to make themselves complete or live is sort of plastic superficial girly night or boys night and you know massage each other's egos in different ways and then when we get to the end of it we're kind of like okay you know we've readdressed the balance barbie's really got the power and she gives some to the men to make them feel okay i'm just sitting there going are you trying to tell me that the world can never be equal (laughs) that both sexes are always going to look outside themselves to complete themselves is is that really the messaging of the film? Like, have we really gone back that far in the world? Like, it's a film that spends so much time being intellectual and referencing other films and being pretentious, which is, sorry, it's what a lot of postmodernist people do. And I'm going to talk about that more of my experiences of that as as the season goes on. But like, it totally misses the conditions of society that's following. That's my biggest problem with it. It's got so little backbone, learning, depth, structure, education, experiences. It's not listened to anybody beyond your own bubble in your own sexuality, quite frankly, to put weird Barbie in her own weird space. And it doesn't realize any of that. Because it's got that substance space that it's coming from. It doesn't realise it. It doesn't see anything wrong with the messaging the Mother stands still or weird Barbie or weird Alan. Or that both men and women have to look outside themselves to be complete. And that the entire pressures that are creating the anxiety in the world are all external expectations. It doesn't fix any of that. And it makes the the teen who's in her own lane, who's actually managed to not be locked in her bedroom, managed to be in school with her own lane of people, highly educated, with the context to everything, it turns her into Barbie. So it's like all postmodernism for me, it's not responsible to anyone else. And that's the bit, like I can think of so many amazing films that have been by female directors that have been so responsible to the planet, so responsible to so many crucial topics that have not been successful. And and what makes this successful is that it's basically all just about having your own cycle length. And that is the bit that I've been looking for. I've been looking for the, the messaging or the thing that happened over a time period that made people so self-absorbed and so precious that they only needed their own cycle length.